Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa with week four, a much, much delayed week four of LOA Oscar the charismatic woman. Um... I had three or four people email me and tell me they weren't going to be here. We have a short group today. So it might turn out to be a short call. Um, so did you guys get a chance? Have you read through the week four material? I have not. I have not. I just read it very quickly, but I didn't do much of it, but I read it. Okay. So the first thing that we're talking about in week four is what it takes to form a habit, and particularly around the rules of the road. Um, Nikki, did you do this last time, or are you new to this one? I think I'm new to this one. Okay. So there's a lot of discussion kind of in the personal development world at large about habits and habit breaking, and the general sort of school of thought is that it takes 21 to 31 days in a row to break a habit or to form a new habit, and that if you miss a day, you're starting completely over, particularly when you're breaking a habit. It has to be consistent. Um, And it's kind of the way sort of psychoscience has looked at habits all along. I mean, that's, that's really sort of what we've always thought. Some of the new neuroscience work has really proven that to be not true. And a lot of this new neuroscience work has come out of um, psych wards, people who are dealing with, like, obsessive-compulsive disorder. And unfortunately for them, and fortunately for the rest of us who study this, a lot of new neuroscience work has also emerged out of the study of the vets coming back with PTSD. Um, So we've had a lot of really controlled groups looking at a lot of these things with fresh eyes. And what we found, what the new studies are kind of showing us, is that pleasure has a tremendous amount of impact on forming or forming new habits or breaking new habits. Um, I mean, I spent a lot of time in Tony Robbins' work early on in my personal development kind of culturalization. And Tony has a saying that says people are always moving, are they're always doing one of two things. They're moving away from pain or moving towards pleasure. And most of the time they're moving away from pain. You know, they're trying to navigate their lives away from something that they don't like or don't want to experience. And what we know now from some of this newer work is that that's really the least efficient way to get there, that our brains rewire much, much faster. It's a much more powerful use of force when we start moving towards pleasure rather than moving away from pain because pleasure makes things happen much, much, much more quickly. It targets the reward centers in a brain, and reward centers are very, very powerful. They tend to be very addicted. So if you can get the reward centers in your brain on board with a pleasurable experience, you can shortcut that process of developing a habit 
or breaking a habit much more effectively. Um, one of the studies that's recently been done, and Janet can probably speak to this, but she's not here, better than I would, is they have actually studied both on the PTSD side and on the obsessive-compulsive side the rubber band trick. So, I mean, a lot of my clients have heard me talk about the rubber band. You guys know what I mean about the rubber band because I know both of you have heard me talk about it. But, I mean, they've known for a long time that that kind of that kind of stimulus interruption, the rubber band on the wrist, will create a break in a habitual behavior. So if you've got somebody who's got a compulsive behavior, a behavior pattern, you know, the going to wash the hands, the going to wash the hands or checking the doors or whatever it is, that over time, if you use the rubber band, that will break the pattern. But what they have now discovered is that if you can... Snap that rubber band and add in an immediate hit of pleasure of some sort. And it can be anything ranging from a scent to a visual cue to a flavor, anything. It didn't have to be significant. It just had to register the brain as pleasurable. You could break that habit. And, I mean, we're not talking about a habit, really, with a compulsive obsessive behavior. We're talking about something even bigger than that in a lot of ways. You could break those patterns in about half the time. And that in some cases, the disrupt followed by pattern approach of changing those behaviors was significantly more effective than it was even with the help of medication. Does that make sense? You guys have any questions about that so far? Uh-uh. No, that makes sense. So what we want to do, and when I look at how this program was put together as if somebody else did it, <laughs> somebody else didn't do it. If I had been smart, I would have done this in the very beginning. But when I think about my clientele in general, and not just one person, but almost every woman that I work with, what we've classified as the rules for the road, like the basic things, get sleep, eat quality food, you know, hydrate, all of those things are things that most women don't consistently do well. They might do some, they don't do all. They do them for a while. They drop off. And these are kind of life and breath-esque sort of things. What we want to do here is frame up the rules of the road in such a way that it becomes habitual because it's dinging the bells of pleasure centers so that we can create habits around these sort of life-sustaining rituals in a way that they stick once and for all and they're they're going to be amazing forever. Now, there's a caveat about it forever, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So I'm going to go through the list of the rules of the road, and I will tell you, I'll share with you how I pleasurize the rules of the road for me, and then why don't we talk it back to the two of you and talk about ways that you might be able to pleasurize these particular things for yourself. So the first one is you will get the sleep you need. And for me, that has everything to do with, like, the most expensive bedding on the planet. Up until a few years ago, I didn't realize how expensive sheets could get, but (laughs) they're worth the money. So, like, 1,000-count cotton, Egyptian to cotton thread sheets, or particularly for me, bamboo sheets, there's something about the pleasure of sliding into bed 
when I've got those, you know, freshly washed bamboo sheets on my bed and it's cool and warm all at the same time. And, oh, my God, it's amazing. And what makes that work even better is when I remind myself how amazing it is. But just getting into bed, experiencing the pleasure of those sheets, taking a few deep breaths and then drifting off peacefully to sleep, that is a way that I pleasurize my getting to sleep I need experience. So, Nikki, how about you? How can you pleasurize getting better sleep? You know, for me, it's what I do before the sleep. And so um, taking baths with, uh, you know, essential oils or doing the Epsom salt, obviously not every day for the Epsom salt, but uh, with the essential oils like lavender and that kind of a thing, those just really calm my senses. So I definitely do that. That that's what has been working for me. I like that a lot, Rachel. Um, so this is why you and I get along so well because I actually am the same way. I actually bought myself brand new nice sheets last night. <laughs> Interestingly enough, so when I read this, I laughed. Um, I bought six hundred thread count, so not a thousand yet, but I'm with you on the price. And they're pretty yellow color, and I washed them, and I had like the best night's sleep last night because of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about my mom. Like, my mom has a linen closet full of sheets. <laughs> and I have two pairs. Well, I actually have three. Like, I have my very old thousand-count shed thread sheets. I've got, I, and I've got my bamboo sheets and another pair of thousand-count sheets. Like, I haven't invested in a lot of linens, but the ones I've got, yeah, I'm willing to pay the price. I I'd say they last forever, but they don't. I try to tell myself that. So whatever it's going to be, the pleasurable ritual works. I know that a lot of people do baths, and baths work really well for me. Um, A lot of people, I've had people talk to me about music rituals, like some sort of music that they put on when they're getting ready to go to bed that kind of sets the tone. Um, Any of that would work, but you just got to find one, and more than one, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, the next rule of the world was eat the best quality food available to you. And I listed as one of the things that has been my shortcut to that was my Vitamix. Um, Because you can put anything in a Vitamix, and I mean anything, and have it somehow come out awesome. (laughs) Like, whatever, whatever that machine does, is pure magic because you can put in really, really unappealing things and they come out of the other end of the Vitamix just amazing. And so when I'm talking about the best quality food, and we've talked about this a little bit before, I don't necessarily mean the most nutritious. I just mean the the highest quality, and that might be the junkiest. It might be the most, you know, decadent, whatever it is. But for me, the Vitamix is always a shortcut to getting pleasure out of something that I perceive as nutritionally high quality. So, Nikki, how about you? How are you going to pleasurize best quality food? Well, I got one of those, too. So I've been um, just having that for my lunch, and it's been working out really well. And sometimes if I get a craving for something, I'll get get the high quality of whatever it is that I'm craving. For me, it's like sometimes I have potatoes, 
So if I end up decimating a little bag of olive oil potato chips, then I'm pretty much set. So I'm just thinking that's something that my body needs for some reason, maybe it's potassium or something. And then after that, I'm pretty, pretty much good. Nice. Love the Vitamix. It's a, it's a thing of beauty. How about, I know, like, consistent meals are an issue for you too, Rachel. What are you going to do to pleasurize your, your uh, eating? So I actually think I'm going to, a step before even cooking, I love grocery shopping. I just don't make time for it. So I think for me, the experience of going to Whole Foods and buying really good nutritious food and cooking it is an experience I like. So maybe that would help me do that. And I'd like to buy myself a Vitamix, but I just bought expensive sheets, so I have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Vitamix will last forever. Unlike the expensive oh. sheets, I've had my I've had my Vitamix for I don't know, well over ten years. Well, if I get my new job, I will get myself a Vitamix. How's that? <laughs> I am gonna hold you to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. The next one on the list: look your best every day. Um. We all know that I work from home and that my boss is a seven-year-old little boy. And <laughs> this particular thing is semi a challenge for me. I laughed at myself this morning. I started getting really consistent with a morning walk. Um, and I'm encouraging myself to do that morning walk now by taking pictures of the gardens in my neighborhood. And so that's getting some, it's getting to be really easy for me to get up and get out to do that walk. And yesterday... I had my hair in, like, the cutest little do. Like, I had braided part of it on one side and wrapped it over to the other side. It was, like, this braided headband, and it was lovely, and I was adorable. And so I stayed in bed a little longer than I wanted to this morning, and I realized if I was going to get my walk-in before my workday started, I needed to roll out of bed and get going, So which is exactly what I did, was roll out of bed and get going. And my mother-in-law gave me for Christmas a couple of years ago the world's most atrocious hot pink, hot pink fuzzy shirt, like sweatshirt. And I'm quite sure it came from the discount rack on Walmart. <laughs> I swear, the ugliest garment I've ever owned. But it is also like the coziest, most comfortable piece. Of, and the reason I've never gotten rid of it is because on that day where I just feel like I need a hot cup of food and a hug like that, horribly ugly thing is so comfortable. And so I rolled out of bed this morning. I tossed on that piece of clothing. I got my kid and we headed out for a walk and and literally like walking the alleys of my neighborhood looking for garden spaces that people don't see from the front street. Mm-hmm. So I'm up in an alley and I'm like peeking over somebody's fence, taking a picture of their backyard and this woman comes out. And I could tell she was a little startled. Like, she looked much better for her very obvious upcoming jog than I did. And I don't blame her for being startled. I mean, somebody's in your back alley taking a picture of your wisteria. And, but she was really nice. I could tell she was startled. And when I got home and looked at myself, like, here I am in that horrible pink sweatshirt so I, you can see me from five miles away. And that braid that was so cute yesterday was still in my hair, but it's, like, sticking out the side. And I had mascara remnants. I I must have looked like the crazy person in the alley behind her house. I have... <laughs> oh, that is funny. 
That is funny. I got my. It was horrible, but I got my walk in. So, I mean, I think looking my best every day it has such an impact, and it does for all of us on how we feel. I know you work from home too, or you work for yourself, don't you, Nikki? Mhm. Yeah, just for me, I just have to make sure that my hair is right. Just, just that that is just my thing. I just can't have that crazy hair. So I've just been making sure my hair is just straight as can be, and then I'm pretty much set. Like, I don't really get dolled up, really. I'm just like a lipstick person anyway, so I just make sure that I have that. And other than that, I'm pretty much set. I'm a white T-shirt and yeah. jeans, and I'm good to go. And what it is for me, too, is lipstick. And I listed in the stuff Max lipstick and Ruby Woo is the one that does it for me. Like if I'm wearing sweatpants, if I'm wearing yoga pants, if I'm wearing a little black dress, like I can go out in public feeling like old Hollywood glamour. I don't have to do anything else. That one thing pleasurizes Mm -hmm. for me how I feel about myself really well. Um, So finding that one way to pleasurize that, and I think there might be some more effective ways, like I know some women who have some really lovely getting ready in the morning rituals with lovely perfumes and beautiful dressers, and I don't know. I don't. For me, it's the lipstick. But And for you, it's getting your hair done in your lipstick. What about you, Rachel? How are you pleasurizing you're looking your best every day? I'm a mascara girl, so I need to – I just – I don't wear a ton of makeup, but that's, like, the one thing I can't feel – pretty without, well, I can, but you know what I mean. Um, it's, you know, definitely amps it up a little bit. Um, and I like to smell nice, so, like, either a good perfume or I just bought, <laughs> I just bought a new deodorant that was called Love Cowboy. Literally, I bought it because it was a natural deodorant, but I loved the name of it, and now I can't get enough of it. So, <laughs> the little things like that. I think scent is huge, actually. I mean, studies have been done on this that aroma, like the olfactory sense, has a greater ability to, like, inspire memories. That's kind of an oxymoron. But, like, recall memories. It has a greater ability to affect our moods than any of our other scents. So if you can find a way to wrap some sort of a scent into that feeling slash looking your best scenario, I've got some perfume and I'm almost out of it which is why I'm kind of being stingy with it but it smells like lilacs and irises and it just it's divine I feel like a million bucks every time I put it on you strike me as a perfume girl Nikki oh yeah oh yeah definitely oh yeah I forgot about the scent thing but yeah definitely love perfume it inspires pleasure. So, okay, the next one is managing your space. So I get every two weeks, and actually a client did this for me for a while, a long time, um, and it was the sweetest thing ever because we all know I have my issues with leaving Hawaii. Um, and so my client started ordering me every two weeks like this giant sort of I don't know, it's like a commercial box, like you would send to a florist box of whole from, of tropical flowers from this company called Aww. Wholesale Tropical Flowers. And they don't come arranged. They don't come anything. Like I take them out of the box and I touch them and smell them and arrange them into three or four lovely arrangements that I put around my house. And that inspires me. I mean, 
I've talked about this before, like wherever a base of flowers goes down, I'm going to clean that spot. Like it's going to be beautiful. And what that sort of tradition has done is really inspired me to create space and manage my space in a way that feels very pleasurable for me. And it's not all that much money. I mean, when they finally quit coming, which was a dark day, I, you know, got on the Wholesale Tropical website, let's figure it out. Like, it wasn't all that expensive. It was certainly worth the money to continue to do that. Um, so that's how I pleasurize managing my space. Um, Nikki, how are you going to do it? You know, for me... Um it's just definitely putting a lot of color out there. Um, you know, I'm a designer, so I love having a lot of color. And I'm really getting back into art. And so for me, just having just my art supplies there, not necessarily projects going on, but just having, like, like paintbrushes, you know, watercolors, just, just art supplies here and there, that is very motivating for me. It just helps me get into my creative groove and just love art. I like that a lot. Rachel? So, again, I'm going to copy you just because apparently we're on the same page this week. So yesterday when I was at the grocery store, I bought myself a big bunch of yellow tulips and, interestingly enough, put them next to my Happy Buddha and cleaned my island off. And it's just this – I enjoy when I go to the grocery store, I like buying myself flowers, and then I like buying a friend flowers. So I brought some to a friend I just, it feels good to, like, everyone deserves flowers every once in a while. But I like this idea of the delivery. I may have to look into that. And I think there are lots of places to get wholesale flowers delivered. And what, what it's, like, really cathartic to me. The box comes, mm-hmm. and I arrange them. I touch them. I cut them. It's, like, an hour of the most blissful, wonderful meditation while I'm touching and handling those flowers. It's really good for me. It's good for my soul. Yeah, I like that. So the thing about this plan, and I said in the materials, that's my week one pleasure plan. Um, I don't change it up every week. I mean, this particular pleasure plan works for me pretty consistently. But I have a brain that likes, once I find something that works, it'll stick for a while. But the truth of the matter is, the thing about pleasure is it kind of needs to be piqued by newness. Um, otherwise, it becomes comfort. And there's a difference between pleasure and comfort. Like when we do something that becomes very, very habitual and it starts to be a feel very comfortable, our brain doesn't fire off the kind of chemicals that produce pleasure. And what we're looking for here is pleasure. So you kind of got to know yourself. I think it's a good idea, though, even on a weekly basis for me to say, okay, these are the things that I need to do. Sit down on a Sunday afternoon. How am I going to pleasurize that this week? A weekly plan, or maybe in my case, a monthly plan is probably more appropriate. So at the beginning of the month, I might sit down and say, okay, now what about sleeping? I mean, what am I going to need to do to make that pleasurable? How am I going to pleasurize my food, which is going to be different in May than it might have been in April? But staying on top of creating new pleasurable experiences around the habits that you're trying to form so that they stay in the pleasure category and don't drift off into the comfort category is really important. Um, I know some of us, like Janet, who's not here today, Janet has a particularly fast burn, I think. 
like Steph doesn't stay shiny for her very long. She probably needs a weekly plan. Um, Jeanette, on the other hand, I think she could get into a pleasurable groove and keep it for much longer than I could. So you kind of got to know your burn rate on where that transition point between pleasure and comfort is. And it's likely to be really consistent. Like whatever it is, it's likely to be about that same period of time for all different kinds of pleasure. Most people don't have a fast burn rate with food and a slow burn rate with something else. I mean, you kind of know what your churn is. And Nikki, do you have any idea how long it is for you that something stays pleasurable before it drifts off into comfort? You know what, that depends on um, the activity, actually. Um, if it's something, I don't know, like I was really into chess, but then after a while I just, just didn't want to do it. And I think I was into it for like three months, and after a while I'm like, you know, I'm not really feeling it, and then did something else. Then I took up, I don't know, learning a new language, and that has stuck. So it really depends on the activity. As far as doing a monthly plan, I don't really, I don't really like to plan too much because that just takes out the spontaneity. So what I've been doing is like, you know what, today's Sunday, I don't really feel like doing anything. I just want to read Game of Thrones. So I'm just reading Game of Thrones. You know, I'll do that one day. Or, you know what, I want to go to the movies or I want to go see this. You know, we're doing game night or whatever. So I just tend to add, like, spontaneous activities like that, what I intuitively feel inclined to do, and that's been really helpful. Like, other people, like, they're down with plans and whatnot. That works for them. Just for me, I just find plans a little bit, to be a little bit, you know, constrictive. So this is what works for me. And again, spontaneity is introducing new things, so you're hitting those pleasure centers. How about you, Rachel? Do you have any idea what your turn rate is between pleasure and comfort? I don't, but I will say that I am I am not a planner as well, um, and I have found that planning my weeks a little bit has made me have happier, easier weeks. I feel like I'm healthier, so I'm not sure. I guess if I stay on target, it could last for a while, but... I don't know. I'm really giving it much thought. I think that the key to success would be to just keep checking. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe check in with yourself weekly and say, is this still doing it for me? And if the answer is yes, you're off the hook. If the answer is like, I don't know, then you might not be, you might need to make some changes in the plan. And I'm kind of, I'm with you and with both of you, actually. I'm not a planner. Like, David is, David's really good. I mean, he's he's a pretty disciplined, self-directed, planning kind of guy. And when we got together, that was a bit like oil and water in terms of how we managed our lives. But I also do better with some some pre-planning, some kind of structure, some sort of putting it together in advance because I can get into my week and be flying by the seat of my pants and realize it's Thursday and I haven't had lunch. So... That's silly. I, I am I'm better to plan than not to plan. Well, you know, Lisa, what okay. works for me is, like, I, at the beginning of the week, I take a little notepad, and I just write down the things I want to get done that week, but I don't specify, like, what day and what time I'm going to do it. And magically, those things get done. So they're, like, at the forefront, right. and then somehow, like, the time, whatever, rearranges itself, and the chore, whatever it needs to be done, gets done. I think that I'm, I mean, my schedule is fairly regimented in that I need to show up for client calls when I need to show up, but Mm -hmm. I'm working my to-do list much the same way. Like I, I make the list 
I keep a little running tally, but I'm not giving myself deadlines and what have you, and I'm finding a lot of flow and ease and sort of expansion around that approach. Mm-hmm. All right, vibration shifting practice. Um, And we've talked about this in a couple of different charismatic woman courses, like how many messages we're hearing a day from media and advertisers. And a lot of really LOA savvy people will say, I don't, I don't get that many advertising messages. And that might be true. I mean, for Body Love Bootcamp, I've heard anywhere between 30,000 and 100,000 advertising images. I don't think that's true for me. But... I mean, realistically, studies have proven that if you live in the U.S. or the U.K., probably also Canada, at the very least, you're subject to between 10,000 and 15,000 images or messages on a daily basis, and most of them you're not aware of. And that's kind of what advertisers count on. In fact, advertisers have talked about this, but they don't feel guilty (laughs) with inundating you because they are fully aware that most of that stuff is heading outside of your actual conscious perception. But it doesn't mean that you're not, you're not actually absorbing those messages. And so the point is that if, if we're not advertising to ourselves, i.e. choosing what we want to think and really hammering those messages home, somebody else is doing them for it, doing that for us, whether we think it's happening or not. Um, I hear so many people saying when it comes to like vibration management or energy alignment practices that they don't have time, that they don't work, that meditation's bullshit. And, but the reality of it is that we do have time and this stuff does work. And if we're not doing it, it's, it's going to happen anyway. Somebody else is going to choose our thoughts. So, there's two exercises for this week, and the first one is really easy. It's the umbrella thought, um, the turbocharged condition, which is the I am thought. Um, are either of you familiar with Harrison Klein's work? Mm-mm. No. Harrison Klein is a trip. I mean, that man, he's so interesting. He's such a strange, strange man, but his work is genius. Um, And Harrison Klein has done a lot of work around the statement, I am. And, I mean, we've heard that in spiritual perspectives and what have you, that the words I am are really powerful. But what it comes down to, and Harrison's done a really good job of pointing this out, is that it is direct orders to the subconscious. When you say I am anything, you you start to adopt that as an actual identity. And it becomes real really quick. So, I mean, you can say, I don't like water. That has less impact on you than if you say, I'm, I am terrified of water. The words I am cue up your brain to where your subconscious starts listening. for the instruction, which is what it really comes down to, that follows next. Whatever you say after I am is like an instruction cue to the subconscious. So this week you want to pick an umbrella thought and I mean, I used in the materials, um, I am a multimillionaire, and it can be anything. I mean, I am fit and healthy, I'm always happy and well, I am at peace. And then you turbocharge it by adding thankful. Because thankful, 
puts anything pretty much in the past tense as if it's already happened. And I mean, a lot of people will say that affirmations don't work. I believe scientifically that they do work. What you want to do is pick that umbrella thought and think it to yourself a hundred times a day. And when I say a hundred, I mean a minimum. And that's a lot easier than you think. I mean, if you think it to yourself ten times a day when you wake up and every time you go to the toilet and when you brush your teeth and before you fall asleep, you've nailed it, which means you have given yourself an intentional, pre-planned message or advertisement of your choice, and it counteracts so much of what you're getting from the external world. Um, As a hypnotherapist, like we know when we think about suggestibility, like there are certain things that make clients so much more suggestible, and there's been a lot of work done around voices. Like the voice you're second most suggestible to is your mother's voice, whether you like her or not. I mean, we're biologically wired to respond to our mother's voice. The voice we're most suggestible to, excuse my dog, is our own voice. So when you say an I am statement to yourself, whether you say it out loud or think it out loud, it is imminently much more powerful than any of the external messaging that is coming in at you. And you can counteract or dissolve all of that messaging without a tremendous amount of effort. So, Nikki, what would you choose as your turbocharged I am umbrella thought? You know what? I'm really liking that um, multimillionaires. I don't know. I think I might steal yours or permanently borrow it. I really like that. I catch crap about the multimillionaire example. And part of the reason I use it is because everybody wants money. I mean, they just do. But secondly, there's an energy about that that's powerful and confident and assured. Like in my mind, when I say I am a multimillionaire, that's not necessarily about dollars in the bank. It is about that extremely powerful energy that I perceive being a part of that scenario. So it works for me in it's not just about the money. It's about sort of that whole package of what that means who I perceive a multimillionaire to be, whether it's true or not, it carries an energy for me. How about you, Rachel? Um, I like that one as well, but I think I like, you had just mentioned a minute ago, I'm fit and healthy, so maybe something like that or healthy and sexy. I've used variations on um, fit and sexy, and I like that too. And again, I mean, that that invokes an energy that goes beyond just the label. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, finding the time, doing it 100 times a day, you would be amazed how quickly you start seeing shifts in how your identity shows up. I mean, really within days, you'll start seeing changes in how you're showing up in your own day if you can really nail and be consistent with one of these turbocharged I am statements. Um, And the next one is advertise to yourself. And we're talking about a visual meditation of some sort for about 20 minutes. And this five times a day or five minutes a day, four times, or excuse me, five minutes a day, five minutes, four times a day, 
is actually more powerful than 20 minutes all at once. And people will give me a shit ton of excuses about why they're not going to do a visual meditation. And I am the author of many of them. Um, I tend to say I'm not a visual person. That's hard for me to do. I tend to be the person who's going to say I don't have time. But none of those excuses really, like, hold water. If I can make half an hour to sit down and watch TV at night, I can certainly, you know, find four slots of five minutes a day to do some sort of a visualization. And there's a handful of ways to do it if you're not a visual person, i.e. the vision board, a mind movie, draw pictures, um, intentional scrapbooking, which we might talk about some more in a couple of weeks. Um, and you can shift that up. But the reason that visualization, I think, is so incredibly important is how effective it is for manifesting. I mean, if you think about the language of the universe, it's going to be visual. I mean, the universe doesn't speak English or Japanese. It doesn't, I mean, it follows energetic cues, but visual stuff is sort of, it, it goes beyond language. But it also, for those of us who aren't particularly visual, and I imagine you are, Nikki, but for the rest of us, it lights up a part of our brains that tends to stay very, very dormant. Um, like I'm a word person, I'm an author, I write. And that visual part of my brain probably gets very little exercise, but it's a very, very powerful part of my brain when it comes to shifting my identity and creating my reality sort of in the external universe. So, Nikki, are you, like, I'm great, like I said, I'm guessing you are a pretty visual person. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. But I like the breaking it down into five minutes. I really like that. Instead of doing one huge thing, because then I'll, like, get distracted and I'm going to want to do something else. But if it's like that, that five minutes. I know you posted, I think, in the um, GBU somewhere on Facebook, you were asking about, like, what coaches are doing things right. I think Jackie hit it on the nail on the head, where it's just just easy, boom, you get the message. And so that I want the, the visualization to be like that. Just, you know, sit there five minutes and then boom, do something else. I think just that just helps a lot. Right. And I think it's more effective because it it gives you that shift in your energy periodically through the day. So, yeah. I mean, for some people, a 20-minute visualization might give them a temporary high. It would probably give me a headache. Um, yeah. But that five minutes, four times a day, that you're, you're more sustainably improving your vibration throughout the day and continuing to sort of program and message into the field in the universe is more effective. Mm-hmm. How about, I know what you're doing, Rachel. <laughs> How about you? You do. I'm going to, um, so I went and bought a bunch of scrapbooking supplies yesterday and I watched your movie so I could get an idea of what that's like. So I think I'm going to try a little bit of everything. I will say that for me, mind movies are my best visual tool because I like music. So, I mean, when you're doing a mind movie, and if you have any questions about what mind movies are, you can go to mindmovie.com, I think it is, or Google search. Um, I mean, I'm a computer girl, too, so it's really easy for me to put together the graphics and what have you. It takes me about 45 minutes to put together a solid mind movie that I might use for six months or a year. And the combination of the motion and the words and the graphics and all of it in a mind movie 
and I can make it to be whatever length I want it, like approximately five minutes, that is, that's, that's my ticket to visual. I like the idea of that because you can kind of take it with you anywhere, whereas the scrapbooks, I mean, not just not portable, but you're not going to maybe carry your scrapbook to work, you know. So um, I like the idea of having a little bit of each. Yeah, I think, and I think, again, the variety, like you're utilizing different parts of your manifesting muscles, the more variety you toss in. And the more we sort of master those parts of ourselves, the, the better manifestors we will become because we've got strengths in lots of different areas. So lots of ways to mix it up. Have you ever done a mind movie, Nikki? No, I haven't. Uh-uh. Girlfriend, you would do mind movies that rock. You would do mind movies you could sell. I'm down with that. <laughs> I'm down with that. You would be the queen of the mind movie, but that's just my opinion. So, okay, moving on. Bad habit breaking and discipline. Um, I laugh. Ha ha. The, the bad habit that we're breaking this week is complaining. And I can complain. I can do it. Um, and I had, I mean, I've talked about it publicly. I mean, I've had some bad weeks with my oldest which aren't so bad anymore. Um, Complaining and storytelling. I mean, if we only knew how powerful the spoken words were, we would never complain about anything. And I have seen instance after instance of this in my own life in the last few weeks where I complained, I noticed something long enough and complained about it once or twice. And it manifested into something real or bigger or like complaining is a big ass deal for a number of reasons. It lowers your vibration in a very effective way. I mean, it it cements into reality, a reality that you don't like. It makes that negative reality even stickier in your physical world. It has a tendency to share the love. So, I mean, if you're in a low energy vibration place and you're complaining, you're spreading that low energy around, which inadvertently makes you not so popular. And complaining is powerful. We all do it. And I will tell you that when I stopped, and I did a couple of things with what was going on with me and my oldest, but the first thing I did was stop complaining about it and stop telling the story. When I refused to continue to tell the story or continue to complain, things loosened up enough that I could shift them. But when I was really, really in that mess with my head and complaining about it a lot, it was too tight for me to shift. And that's the best description I can give you. Like when something's going on and you're complaining about it, you're kind of like tying it up in knots. And and it 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 gets really, really heavy and sticky and permanent feeling really quick. Um, I was reading an article on this actually while I was on vacation, where they were saying that, I'm sure you've heard the articles that says the average person lies X number of times every day, like we all lie, Um, and I think that's true. Um, This article was saying that in a similar vein, studying it kind of in the same way, the average person complains about something between 50 and 100 times a day. And if that is an average person who would consider themselves to be 
cheerful and optimistic. So we're not talking about the negative, pessimistic person. You know, they would basically follow and record somebody. And some of it was like internal complaining that they admitted to doing themselves. But they would catch somebody who describes themselves as happy and optimistic complaining about something 50 to 100 times a day. I think if you're single, it might actually be less because at least when you go home at the end of the day, you don't have anybody to bitch to. But if you're thinking the complaining thoughts, it probably still carries about the same weight. So I think the first thing I might do is maybe not censor myself, maybe have a couple of days of just trying to get some awareness about how often it's really happening. Um, But breaking the complaining habit will free up so much of your energy for other things that you want to use it on that you will hardly recognize the landscape a couple of weeks after you quit complaining. And not complaining is really hard. Hard, 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 hard. So, Nikki, where, what do you think your relationship with complaining looks like? You know, I grew up in a household where complaining was just the norm. So I have acclimated to complaining. That is not an easy habit to break. Of what I have been doing as of late, I mean, I use complaining as almost like a tool. Obviously, I'm upset about something, I'm not happy about something, and so I look at that as a sign. Okay, so then what do I do next? I know this came up last week with some of my peeps and I. I felt like I wasn't heard in a certain situation, and I was upset, hurt, you know, that kind of a thing. Complained a bit to a friend, and then I called the person up afterward, and I just, like, let it out. I just said, you know what? You know, I didn't feel heard, you know, this and this and that, and then I felt a lot better. So I basically use, like I said, complaining. If I feel like the urge to complain, then there's something, there's some kind of issue that I need to address, whether I'm unhappy or I feel angry about something. And then I, and then I just use that as like a compass of, of what to do afterwards. But I still have that tendency to uh, want to complain, but then now I feel like I follow up with some kind of action. I think that makes sense, though. I mean, if you're using it as, a, as an indicator that you need to shift something, it's not going to go mm-hmm. on forever. I mean, you'll complain, yeah. you recognize it, you make the shift or take the appropriate action, and it doesn't go on and on. I mean, mm-hmm. God bless them. I complained about my kid for two, two, two months, two full months. Like, that's way too long. And I think there's a fine line between acknowledging how you feel, like feelings are very important and burying feelings don't work, but... Mm-hmm. The, I mean, if you're talking about it and there's no relief, mm-hmm. i.e. venting isn't helping or there's no action plan and it continues to repeat, then that's, that's complaining. Mm-hmm. How about you, Rachel? Um, so I'm a little bit opposite in that I grew up in a house where we weren't allowed to complain. <laughs> like my mom was a... You're, you're creating this sort of person, so we had to change it. So I, I don't complain. I don't think a lot, but I'm sure I do a fair number um, or a fair bit of it. But I, I would say that, you know, my weakness right now is my job. But I think in the last month I've found a way to change that just with um, changing the language I'm using and kind of trying to create what I do want and what I have versus, you know, what's not going right. So. I think I've figured out to kind of change my vibration that way. I think my favorite tool around complaining is the, oh, no, that's not what I'm creating tool, which is kind of what both of you are doing in some way. Like if I catch myself to complaining, 
I realized I just identified contrast. And then I stop myself and just say, oh, nope, that's not what I am creating. What I am creating is this. And I launched that sort of other, that other reality that was born from the contrast. The contrast really serves it. And if complaining is a way of identifying contrast so that you can bore, you know, birth another desire, then it's not really complaining because it's not going to continue. It just, mm-hmm. you find whatever works for you and you stop it and you move on. So, yeah, I think that's it for this week's material. Do you guys have any questions or thoughts before we wrap up for the day? Mm-mm. No, it was great. Yeah, it was really good. Thank you. Yay. Um, I'm tossing around a handful of possibilities for the next thing for the charismatic woman. I know Rachel and I had discussed the possibility of doing a short one or two week gig on um, on visualization tools like Mind Movies and Intentional Scrapbooking. Um, I'm also toying with the idea of doing like a celebrity level self-care program. Um, Kathy and I did an interview and she wrote a blog post about Jennifer Aniston's self-care um, where everybody went crazy about how much money she spends on her self-care, but Kathy and I really totaled up the time she was spending on her self-care like, why is Jennifer Aniston hot? That's not much of a mystery when you really look at how she's taking care of herself. So I am considering that. I am also considering a short um, one or two week course on what to do when the shit hits the fan so that you don't, you don't fall apart and your vibration doesn't totally tank. So it's not difficult to recover from a crisis or an emergency. Um, Nikki, do any of those particularly jump out at you? You know what? Um, I really like the whole Jennifer Aniston taking care. I think it's always like an extreme where I, I see with like a lot of LOA courses. There's just courses out there about like when shit hits the fan, when you have no money, and also the kind of business. And that that has its place. I guess I'm just in a different space where I'm more into, you know, into this this health thing and and, and that kind of a deal. Like you know, Janet has her identity shift, so I'm more into that. So. Like, the one-week course, I think it would be cool. I just don't want to take four courses, you know, four weeks of that, I think. I guess I, I'm trying to say I'm in a different place now. Right. I get that. Um, Rachel, thoughts, Um, They all sound interesting to me. I think, you know, I'm obviously very into the visualization thing. Um, I'm learning more about that. I think the self-care, I, I think it would be interesting to learn. I don't know if four weeks would be. It feels like a lot, but it would be a cool one-week or two-week course. You know, really... Go ahead, Nikki. You know what just came up for me? You know how you said the visualization and you're saying, like, some people are more visual than others? I noticed if you think about it, there's, like, different ways of learning. Some people are more kinesthetic. Some people are more auditory. But how about having a course that really addresses those different types of things? Like, we have a primary, um, we want to call it learning style, but if we... You know, everyone goes to visualization. Well, I mean, I naturally do that as a designer, but maybe I would benefit more from auditory or kinesthetic. I agree with that. I actually have material on that, so that would be easy to put together. Um, Yeah, so if you're listening to this in archives, which I know some of you will be, email me if you have thoughts or other ideas also for what you'd like to see next. And we will probably take next week off while I'm preparing some material. And we will see you guys in two weeks.
Okay. Great. Y'all have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye, guys. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.